You're listening to a recording of a live radio show on NPR News. If you want to listen to us in real time, you can stream our show live weekdays at 9 and 11 a.m. Central. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Good morning. You're listening to NPR. I'm Marianne Combs, sitting in for Carrie Miller. Coming up, a look at the future of the death penalty. But first, Democrats and Republicans face a major litmus test tomorrow. Four states, including Minnesota, are holding primary elections. In the past, these have been relatively sleepy affairs with low turnout and little excitement. But that is not the case this year, where both parties are having an identity crisis, and there are several seats in the Republican-controlled House that look likely to flip. Ken Rudin joins us on Monday mornings to help make sense of the political chessboard. He's the host of the Political Junkie podcast and joins us today from Washington, D.C. Hi there, Ken. Good morning, Marianne. And not only are there Republican seats that are in danger of flipping in Minnesota, but there are some Democratic seats that could flip to the GOP as well. So this is the most exciting Minnesota primary I could think of in a long time. Seems like every everything is at stake. Yeah, and everybody. Well- every. I guess everybody in the state is running for something, everybody except you and Carrie Miller, right? <laughs> well, hey, it's not too late. There's still a day left. Uh, so <laughs> right. let, let's start in in Minnesota, where we have actually two big controversies with major Democratic players in the last two weeks. Congressman Keith Ellison, considered the DFL frontrunner for the attorney general's race, was accused of abusing a former girlfriend. There is allegedly a video of the abuse, but it has not been publicly released. Ellison denies the abuse and the existence of the alleged video, saying that he still cares for the well-being of his former girlfriend and that, quote, this video does not exist because I never behaved in this way and any characterization otherwise is false, unquote. So, here we are in the Me Too era. Will a statement like that pass muster with voters? You know something? Who knows? The thought of, for example, the thought of um, Al Franken getting an, an accusation about inappropriate touching and then leaving the Senate not long later was just inconceivable when that whole thing began. So who knows what's going to happen to Ellison? But you're absolutely right. He seemed, he's always seemed to be the front runner uh, for, the, for, the, for, the, for the attorney general job. Uh, and yet it's interesting to me that that why this is this well of course it's not interesting at all i'm saying it's it's coming out one day or two days or three days before the primary itself and you just want you know these these so-called october surprises can actually happen in august as well hmm. i'm surprised it hasn't come out before or like when he was running for dnc chair so you wonder if some local politics is at hand but the fact is as you point out that the woman's son has said that he saw the video and he saw the text messages and that the, the, the woman involved here, too, uh, Karen Monahan, says it actually did happen. So often when it's his word against her word, uh, that's not some place you want to be, especially if you're a political candidate uh, seeking the voters' uh, uh, affirmation just days later. And we should keep in mind that at this point, already over 100,000 Minnesotans have submitted their absentee ballots. You know, something that's a very, very important point, too. For all these things that happen late, so many people have voted in advance. That happens in every state. And you just wonder why. You know, I mean, that's always been my argument against uh, uh, early voting, because 
because the campaign, you know, twists and turns can happen late in the campaign. Of course, I understand why there's early voting. Not everybody can get to the polls on time or in advance of the primary. But the fact is, is that you have these charges and you have also a charge again. You know, you have a charge against Laurie Swanson, too, who's running for governor about that. She had, you know, former aides do political work while she was attorney general. Right. And you just don't know. Sometimes when it, when happens, these things happen so late the, the candidates don't have a chance to or enough time to rebut the charges. And again, it's just going to be up to the voters who just have these late minute things thro- thrust, thrust in their face. And they're going to have to make a decision. Yeah. Looking at the Laurie Swanson's case, who served as AG for two terms, is currently running for governor, is said to have pressured state employees into performing campaign work. She denies the allegations, but it's certainly made for a messy midterm. Do you think Democrats can clean this up ahead of the election? The general election. That's a good, you know, I mean, that's a great question. And I, you know, something I immediately, <laughs> I immediately think back to the Minnesota massacre of, uh, of 1978, when it seemed like everything went wrong for the Democrats. They had both Senate seats. And then when, when Hubert Humphrey died and then, and then, you know, so they were, Wendy Anderson appointed himself to the Senate. And then, then you had Rudy Perpich appointing Anderson to the Senate. You seemed like everything went wrong for the Democrats and the Republicans swept. If you look at the headlines, I mean, these are this is not good news for the Democratic Party. And of course, this would be almost like, you know, a dream come true for the Republicans, except for the fact that they have their own divisions as well. Right. Wisconsin has a primary tomorrow as well. Anything we should be paying attention to there? There's nothing big. I mean, there's nothing big. Well, the fact is, is that, you know, Scott Walker is, you know, still the governor. wants to be a third term. He's always been an anti-Trump. Republican, and I think he still has uh, aspirations for running for president again. It'll be, you know, it's important to watch to see what Democrat comes out and opposes him, and what Republican come out and opposes uh, Tammy Baldwin, the liberal Democratic senator who's seeking reelection. So, you know, you have you have a top Republican, top Democrat running in Wisconsin uh, with, with tremendous importance because it's one of those ten states, as as Tammy Baldwin has been reminded a million times. She's one of the 10 Democratic senators who's running for re-election in a state that Donald Trump carried in 2016. She seems to be favored, but there seems to be Republican. A lot of Republican money is being poured in to defeat her. So, again, it's something to watch more in November, though, I think, than in tomorrow's primary. Okay. So now that we've looked at the regional scene, let's take a look at what's happening in the national arena. It's been one year since the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville, where far-right extremists marched through the streets chanting, Jews will not replace us. The march drew in counter-protesters, one of whom was killed after a white supremacist drove his car into the crowd. President Trump faced criticism from Democrats and Republicans for his response that, quote, both sides are to blame. He had a chance to revise his response this year after this weekend's march march in Washington. Ken, how'd he do? Well, I don't think anything could ever replace what he said last year. It was just a, a horrific, insensitive comment that that just seemed to set the tone for the for what the administration's views are and actions are on race. Now, he did say that bigotry and hatred have no place in this country. He didn't equivocate, but like both sides are doing it. He did say it has no place, but of course, he was nowhere to be found during the rally. And you know something? The rally itself was kind of like, 
I mean, it's it's almost like I was going to almost say it's disappointing, as if we want more Nazis to show up in Washington. Mm. But it basically, it was like fewer than tw- two dozen uh, people showed up, and they they did their thing about how the whites were being mistreated, and and you know, uh, white lives matter, and it ended. And it seems like all the counter protesters who showed up itch- itching for a fight. It never happened. Of course, that's the good news. The bad news is that it just seems like we keep seeing this over and over again that the that the Nazis and the far right and the and the the alt right folks decide they're going to have a rally, and then the media goes ballistic, saying, "Oh my!" I mean, the word in Washington for the last week or so was of a fear, of tension, of apprehension of what was going to happen this weekend in Washington, and you know, I mean, look, I don't know how strong this this white white rights uh, movement is, but it didn't show very, there was not much to see uh, yesterday in Washington. And then you wonder if, if the media and everybody else just goes overboard in talking about it because, and gives them, and give them more uh, attention uh, than they deserve. Well, then we'll stop talking about them. Confirmation hearings. We'll move on to the next question. uh, Confirmation hearings for President Trump's Supreme Court pick, Brett Kavanaugh, start on September 4th. Kavanaugh has a long legal pedigree that includes working with Kenneth Starr, the independent counsel, who investigated then-President Bill Clinton. Will his work there be a target for Democrats in these hearings? The Democrats have been begging for all kinds of records that Kavanaugh, for everything Kavanaugh did while he worked for Kenneth Starr, while he worked for George W. Bush. Uh, Mitch McConnell seems less inclined to release all that information, and Chuck Schumer and the Democrats are very frustrated. But I think what they're really frustrated about is that they don't seem, first of all, the only way they can defeat him is to get one Republican to to switch at the minimum, because right now with John McCain not likely to vote, it's a 50 to 49 Senate, 50 Republicans, 49 Democrats, and no Republican, including um, uh, Susan Collins of Maine or Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, two pro-choice Democrat uh, Republicans, neither one seems likely to oppose Kavanaugh. And if that's the case, then there'll be no defections, plus the fact that there are Democratic defect, likely Democratic defections in uh, Democrats in conservative states like Joe Manchin in West Virginia, Joe Donnelly in Indiana, and Heidi Heitkamp in North Dakota. So I think Democrats are, yes, very frustrated that they're not getting the kind of information and paper trail they would love from Kavanaugh. But I think what their real um, um, uh, frustration is, is that they just don't have the votes to defeat Kavanaugh. Mm. We should note that Kavanaugh reflected on his experience in the Minnesota Law Review. He wrote, and I quote, like many Americans at that time, I believed that the president should be required to shoulder the same obligations that we all carry. But in retrospect, that seems a mistake. Looking back to the late 1990s, for example, the nation certainly would have been better off if President Clinton could have focused on Osama bin Laden without being distracted by the Paula Jones sexual harassment case and its criminal investigation offshoots, unquote. Now, most people today are going to look at that and think about the fate of the Russia probe. Am I right, Ken? Well, the, the fate of the Russia probe, I mean, seems much, it seems to be dwarfing out any any Paula Jones, Monica Lewinsky, uh, uh, you know, sex scandal kind of thing. The Russia probe is great, and while the president keeps talking about witch hunts and fake news and things like that, Robert Mueller is de- determined to see what what actually happened in there, and it seems to be no question that members of the Trump administ- uh, Trump 
team, and that is Paul Manafort and and, uh, Donald Trump Jr. and Jared Kushner, did meet with a woman from Russia with ties to the Kremlin who promised dirty 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 stuff on Hillary Clinton. If that is not collusion, well, then maybe there is no uh, collusion to, to be proven. But the fact is, I think by everybody's account, maybe everybody except the White House's account, but everybody, everybody's account that, that Russia did what it could to defeat Hillary Clinton, elect Donald Trump. We saw that with WikiLeaks, with Roger Stone's uh, connections to uh, uh, you know all the people leaking that information. So there is a there there. The question is when whether it comes before the midterm elections. I mean, the Democrats, both Democrats and Republicans, want Mueller to wrap it up as soon as possible so there could be some kind of a judgment before November 6th. But Unlike Paula Jones, unlike uh, uh, Monica Lewinsky, which the which the country was split on, I don't think the country could possibly be split on the 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 the, the hor- horrific news uh, that that Russia did interfere in the 2016 election. And if you listen to 60 Minutes last night on CBS News, you get the feeling and you get the understanding that Russia's uh, uh, um, purposes. Uh, in, in disrupting the election has not gone away. They're still active in 2018 and 2020, likely to be in 2020 as well. Hmm. Speaking of Mueller wrapping things up, there's been a lot of back and forth about whether or not the president will sit down with special counsel Robert Mueller for questioning President. Uh, president Trump has said in the past that he's willing to talk with Mueller, but the president's team is asking Mueller to adhere to their uh, adhere to their parameters. Is it likely that Mueller will accept the president's terms? I don't think so. I mean, look, from the beginning, look, if, if you think about what Mueller is doing, <coughs> excuse me, if you think mm-hmm. of what Mueller is doing, basically the, the Paul Manafort trial does not really concern Donald Trump because what Manafort is being accused of, the bank fraud and the tax evasion, all that, that happened happened well before he joined the Trump campaign. So I think what, what Trump is, what Mueller is trying to do is to draw a huge narrative that brings all these outside things in to make a case, and that is far too broad for Rudy Giuliani and the rest of uh, the president's legal team. So I don't know. I mean, the president says he wants to talk, but given the fact that that his his relationship with the truth is not always uh, accepted uh, by many people, uh, we'll see if that happens. Hmm. Around this time in 2016, former FBI Director James Comey was feeling a time crunch around getting information out to the public before the election, but he was later criticized for tipping the scales at a crucial time in the election season. Do you think that Mueller feels that same pressure with the midterms right around the corner? I don't, I mean, what what Comey did was just, I mean, unbelievable. You could write volumes and volumes about what Comey did, not only in July of 2016, but 11 days before the election, when he said, well, we may have something on Hillary after all. And then three days before the election, say, oh, no, there's nothing there. <clears throat> I mean, there's no question in my mind that that affected many people's views of the candidates going into the 2016 election. I don't think Mueller is looking at politics as as overtly as Comey did, but he has to know that I mean, I, I look to say that the American people, or at least the Republicans, are tired of it. They didn't seem tired of the two-year Benghazi investigation. But the point is, it's not a time limit. This is not a football game where you have an hour on the clock. You have to. You have an investigation you want it finished. 
It took Watergate two years from start to finish between the break-in and the resignation of President Nixon. I think Mueller should be afforded that same amount of time. But clearly, there are a lot of people who are impatient on both sides. They want some kind of verdict before November. Lastly, you mentioned Paul Manafort and uh, how wrapping up their arguments in the case against him. He's the former uh, president's former campaign chairman. How much does the outcome of this trial matter to the average voter? I don't know. There's a lot of salacious details. And I mean, learning about Manafort's, you know, style of clothing and his inter and his is his extramarital affairs, and then his aide, Rick uh, Gates, with also his affairs and the stealing. It is somewhat like a soap opera. It, I don't know how people are, how closely people are watching. I don't know how closely it involves Donald Trump, although you know he's watching as well. But Manafort is also on trial next month for more stuff closely involved with his uh, uh, clients, the pro-Russia, the pro-Kremlin um, candidates in Ukraine. And that could be part of Mueller's uh, a bigger goal of trying to get a, a collusion or at least a, a pro-Russia uh, verdict regarding his uh, regarding a lot of Trump staffers. So I don't know if they're watching, but they certainly but certainly whenever there's a headline, it seems to be gripping. And I mean, it's certainly more important to me than Amarosa. But yet, you know, but everybody this weekend was talking about Amarosa, which which is startling to me and the alt-right rally, which didn't even happen. So who knows what people think care about anymore? You know, they should care about they what? should care about this trip to the sun, because if this solar uh, this if this if, if this ex, you know explorer goes to the sun at night, there should be no problem with it burning up or anything. So I don't know why they're not focusing on that. <laughs> Ken, I think Isn't you need to stick to politics. <laughs> oh, uh, am I missing something here? Oh. I was going to say, this is the kind of analysis you don't get on those other channels. No, no, other. you don't. No. Ken, no. thanks so much. Always a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you, Marianne. This was a recording of a live radio show on NPR News. To add your voice to our discussion, you can call in at 800-242-2828 or tweet Carrie at K-E-R-R-I-N-P-R. And if you miss us live, you'll find all of our shows by subscribing to this podcast. If you have questions, you can email us at talk at npr.org.